Thank you again, Greg, and those that lead us in worship. And I'm going to tell you that if you want to have your heart blessed, you need to come sit on the front row. Especially when the singing's going on and you sit here and you hear the voices behind you, it's, it's a blessing. And it's a great encouragement to see that happening. And so, appreciate you being here this morning. I hope when you came in, you got a bulletin on the back of that bulletin. There'll be some notes if you want to use those during our time together in the Word. And I hope you have a Bible with you. Something that you can turn on. Something that you can open up. Something that you can access. And we're going to be in Joshua chapter 3 this morning. Joshua chapter 3 is where we're going to be at. Also those notes there on the back of your listening guide. If you want to follow along as we work through God's Word together. I don't know, and I, you can raise a hand if you want to. Does anybody know a Officer Brown? Anybody? Okay, well, and this may not hit with some of you, but I've got this guy that calls me about two or three times a day. And it's usually Officer Brown, and Officer Brown is calling to notify me. He, when I answer the phone and I say hello, it's a, it sounds like an automated message, but it's I am Officer Brown, and I am calling from the Social Security Administration. I am calling you to inform you that your Social Security number has been compromised, and therefore we are having to take administrative action and to lock your Social Security number down. And if you do not front further action taken against you, you need to press not press one and to be connected to a representative to address the matter. Now I will press one and as soon as I press one there is another person that answered the phone and the accent seems to be outside of the United States and I, I press one, I get the person, the person says hello, I say hello and the person says what do you want? Now, my personality is is I want to antagonize them, and I want to toy with them. And so I will say, you called me. I didn't call you. What do you want? And I said, I'm worried about my social security number. And I play the game, and then it's click. I don't know what kind of person they're wanting to answer the phone. I have no idea what kind of noise they're wanting to have. I don't know what the right answers are. But this Officer Brown will call me usually at least twice a day, and as many as ten times a day. He will call me. And now, now it's gotten to the point that I don't even answer the phone. It's not fun anymore. (laughs) But you know those type of calls. Those telemarketers that call in the evenings, those people that try to get you on the phone, that try to get you, I've got another person calling me trying to get me signed up for Medicare. (laughs) Yesterday, in Seminole, the person calls me and I said, I'm not old enough to be on Medicare. Well, then the person didn't really know what to do, so they started asking me, do you, have a, do, you, do you have a girlfriend? Do you go to school? Do you play sports? All these things. And he's just trying to stall, and eventually they hang up on me. But you know those type of phone calls. You know when you get those kind of phone calls, you know it's a robocall, you know it's a telemarketer, you know it's something. And so many times you just click and you hang up. When the phone rings and you answer the phone, and it's my mother. I don't toil with my mother. I don't hang up the phone on my mother. I listen to what my mother has to say. Well, there's a big difference in what it is that we listen to. And this morning, I just want to direct our attention, the moments that we have together here in Joshua chapter 3, to just try to drive home one main principle. And this one main principle you see at the top of your notes is that we listen to what we value. We listen to what we value. So as we step into Joshua chapter 3, Joshua and the leaders, the priests, the commanders, they're going to give three main action words. You see it there in verse 2 when it says commanded. You see it down in verse 5 when it said said. And you see it in verse 6 when he said said. So there's three different times that the people are, or that, that the leaders are speaking to the people about what God wants them 
to do. And I, and I think it's imperative that we ask ourselves a question this morning, what it is, who it is that we are listening to. We've been walking through the last couple of weeks through the book of Joshua talking about success. What does success look like? And especially in this day and age when we think success looks like houses and possessions and jobs and academics and athletics and all these things that the world identifies as that being the mark of success, we need to stop ourselves, what does it mean to be successful in the eyes of God? What does it mean to be successful as a church in the eyes of God? What does it look like to be successful and faithful to God in the day in which we live? And so we've been looking at this in the last uh, chapter one of Joshua. What does it mean to be successful? We're going to continue that. And I've, uh, the last couple of weeks, I've given you some a key to success. The first week was the key to success was God's word. That's what it was coming out of. God's word was saying the key, if you want to be successful, it starts with God's word. Last week we were talking about action. If you want to be successful in the eyes of God, one of the things that's going to be required is for you to take action. Christianity is not a passive system. Christianity is an active system. You don't, by default, grow in your faith. You don't accidentally get up in the morning and trip over holiness. It's something that requires an active lifestyle, an active participation. And this morning, out of Joshua chapter 3, I want you to see with me that another key to success that we see in the life of Joshua and the life of the people of Israel is listening. Now, a lot of times we don't listen very well. I think Ronald said it there. His family said you had two ears and two eyes and one mouth. It means you should do twice as much looking and twice as much listening and half as much talking. It's the idea that every single one of us struggle when it comes to listening. When you come in of a morning and I turn these lights on, there's like a humming sound. I don't know if it is the uh, transformers up there in the lights. I don't know if it is the ballast. I don't know what it is. But when you turn the lights on, there is a humming sound. The problem is, is that when you're usually sitting here, you don't hear it. If we were all to sit here and be really quiet, you might be able to pick it out. The problem is, is that silence is uncomfortable. Somebody gets quiet for a spell and next thing you know, people start getting weird. People start wondering what's going on. Silence. Because we're not used to silence. The other side of the coin is that you and I can fill our lives with so much noise that we don't know which noise to listen to. So the question that I want to present to you this morning is, what is it that you're listening to? And by extension, to remind you, and what we're going to see out of God's Word is that we listen to what we value. And a lot of times, we aren't listening to the things of God because they're so busy listening to the things of the world. Now to remind you of the stage and where we're at here in Joshua chapter 3 Joshua has now taken command of the people of Israel. Moses is now dead. Aaron has since died. They have spent the last 40 years in the promised land. That entire generation that rebelled against God has died and passed away. So now you have this new generation. They're coming up to the east of the promised land. God has said I'm going to give you this land to take. They just got across the Jordan River to come in and to begin the conquering of the promised land. They're sitting there on this precipice They've been told for years and years and years this is what God has promised all the way back to the life of Abram. And so 
know this is coming and they know this is what God's going to do. So Joshua, the new leader, the new commander, over 600, sometimes people even maybe even say as many as a million people sitting there in this nation ready to take possession and they're all wondering what's next. What is going to happen next? So it says here in the text, then Joshua, and I'm here in verse, uh, verse 1 of chapter 3, then Joshua rose early in the morning and they set out from Shittim and they came to the Jordan, he and all the people of Israel, and they and, and lodged there before they passed over. Verse 2. At the end of three days, the officers went through the camp and commanded the people. As soon as you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God being carried by the Levitical priests, then you shall set out from your place and follow it. Yet there shall be a distance between you and it, about 2,000 cubits in length. Do not come near it in order that you may know the way you shall go, for you have not passed this way before. There's, there, there, there's a lesson there about how it is that we listen. Now Joshua had given the command to the commanders, to the leaders of the people. They are then passing it down, and this is the command. The command was to follow. If you and I are going to be listening in our daily Christian life of what it looks like to serve God, to be faithful to God, to fear God, and to follow God, we have to understand that part of the listening is saying, God, where do you want me to go? God, what is it that you would have me to do? God, what is it that you'd have me to say? And part of that comes to a matter of following. And too many times in our daily Christian life, we stink at following. Nobody likes to follow another person. They want to be in charge. They want to be in front. I don't like taking orders. I don't like taking directions. I don't like being second fiddle. I don't like getting the glory. I don't like getting the limelight. I want to be at the top. The problem is, is that God's at the top. We aren't. And part of this Christian life is recognizing that we were created to follow after God. And so one of the keys when it comes to listening is we are listening for God to tell us which way we are to go. So right here in this passage that says the, the, the officers commanded the people, as soon as you see this Ark of the Covenant, as soon as you see the priest carrying this Ark of the Covenant, you follow the Ark of the Covenant. They're there in the wilderness. They know they're going to cross the Jordan River, but they have no idea how they're going to cross the Jordan River. They have no idea where they're going to cross the Jordan River. They just know that they're going to cross it at some point. So can you imagine the officers coming to the people and saying, listen, here's the plan. You're not going to follow Ash Street or Bird Street or Cedar Street into 1st, 2nd, 3rd, or 4th, 5th Street. You're not going to take this direct map route, if you will. You're going to wait until the Ark of the Lord moves and then you're going to follow after it. Now what is so significant about that? In that time, the Ark of the Covenant represented the presence of God. Now God didn't indwell the Ark of the Covenant was a representative of the presence of God. When they made the Ark of the Covenant and they put it there in the tabernacles, they placed it in the Holy of Holies and the glory of God came and filled the Holies of Holies, they used that as a symbolic representation saying, this is God. You're going to get later on or when they come to the city of Jericho and they carry the Ark of the Covenant, it's as if saying, God is here. Within the Ark of the Covenant, you had the Ten Commandments. You had the jar of manna. You had the staff of Aaron. It was the representation for the people of the presence of God. So here, the officers are commanding the people, follow the Ark of the Covenant. Which means they weren't following the priest. They were following God. So you notice there it says in verse, or verse 3, As soon as you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God being carried, then you shall set out from your place and follow it. 
follow it. What are we following, preacher? We are following after God. That is the that is the key. That is the goal of this Christian life is to follow after God. So many times we start to follow after a preacher. We were talking about this morning in Sunday school. There's a lot of preachers that have gone in the wrong direction. Just a couple weeks ago, a very prominent name, Ravi Zacharias. Very prolific ministry and yet allegations, sustained allegations, substantiated allegations have come out from misconduct and inappropriateness during his life on this earth. And people are left going, oh my goodness, if he is compromised, who else could be compromised? Everyone. There's not a sinless preacher on the face of this earth. There is not a blameless preacher on the face of the earth. I can tell you this, and some of you may think, well, this is sacrilegious. Billy Graham sinned. Adrian Rogers sinned. There is not a perfect person on the face of this earth. But the danger is, is we in our humanity, we start to follow the person instead of following after God. Or we start to follow the church. And we get tied up into this church and this church's methodology and this church's entertainment and this church's programs and this church's activities. And while those are good and those are necessary to minister to the lives of people, when we start following a man instead of following after God, we are setting ourselves up for disappointment. So here in this text, Joshua is saying, listen, he's telling the commanders, he's telling the the, the leaders over the people, the officers here in the text, and the officers are telling the people, saying, listen, you don't need to first and foremost follow Joshua or follow the priests or the leaders. You need to follow God. Now, why is that so important today? Because we don't see what God sees. We don't see what God sees. God sees next year. You may think you see next year. You may want to see next year. But the reality is, is you don't see next year. You have no idea what's going to happen next week. You have no idea what's going to happen in six months. You have no idea what is going to take place. Every single one of us are living day by day. And yet God has seen it all. God knows it all. And God knows what is coming next. So who else, who else is more equipped has more authority or is more reliable and trustworthy for us to follow. You'll get on social media and you'll get all this news information. And then you'll watch a documentary like The Social Dilemma and your mind will get broken. It'll hurt. Because you'll start to think, what is that true? Is that not true? You can get wound up starting to listen to the wrong sources of information and everybody is saying, well, that's fake news. That's fake news. Is there really any news worth reading? I'm going to tell you, yes, there is. This news is true. This news is reliable. And this news is enough for you to live your daily Christian life. It's there. You just have to follow it. So the the leaders come in and they tell the people, God moves and being symbolized by the Ark of the Covenant, you move. Now he says that you're not going to get too close, about 2,000 cubits, which is roughly in our times a little bit over half a mile. But he says, as God moves, you follow after God. And you can imagine the people going, well, where's it going to go? I don't know. Where does it matter where it goes? It's God moving. Follow God. So many times we stop short of following after God because God doesn't tell us every turn he's going to make. 
Why does it matter which turn he's going to make if it's God? We follow God. So he tells them right there, there's this command. If we are going to listen, if we're going to listen to what God has for us, one of the keys to success is listening and how it is that we listen. The leaders come in here in verses 1 through 4 and says, follow after God. But then Joshua comes into the scene there in verse 5 and he gives them another key. Sorry, another aspect of what it means to listen. If you look there at verse 5, it says, Then Joshua said to the people, so the leaders are telling the people, okay, when you see the Ark of the Covenant, move, you follow the Ark of the Covenant. In other words, you follow after God. Then Joshua comes into the people, and he knows the Ark of the Covenant hasn't started moving yet. So what does he tell the people? Listen in verse 5. Then Joshua said to the people, consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. In other words, Joshua is saying, be ready. Be ready. The command to be ready. You think about this word consecrate. I put there in your notes. It means to be set apart. To be holy. To be purified. Joshua is saying is you need to make sure that not just your clothes are ready to make the trip. You need to make sure that your, your family is ready to make the trip. But you also need to make sure that your heart is ready to make the trip. So this idea of consecration is not just saying put, combing your hair. Putting on the best look you can. Or coming and playing the part. The idea of consecrating yourself is that you are working on your heart, you're working on your soul, you're working on your spirit, you're working on you so that when God is ready to use you, you are ready to be used by God. Yeah, so many times, brothers and sisters, we don't consecrate ourselves for God. We don't prepare ourselves for God. We don't set ourselves apart. We don't set ourselves as holy. Joshua comes in here and he says, listen. It says, Joshua said. So there's expected to be a listening coming in. He's saying to the people, consecrate yourselves. Why? Because tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. He is telling them, God is going to do something great. God is going to do something wonderful. Now, I, I, I'm interested in this text because up to this point, God hasn't even told Joshua how he's going to do it. And you may, you may differ from me on this, but when I read this text, when I read from chapter 1 all the way down to here, God has not told Joshua, Joshua, this is how you cross the Jordan River. If you were to go back and look during that time, what they probably most likely saw is a Jordan River that's somewhere between 75 to 150 foot wide and anywhere from 3 to 10 foot deep at its normal stage. But, as you'll see later on the text that we'll get to probably the next couple of weeks, right now it's the time of harvest. Right now it's at flood stage. Right now it's flowing over its banks. So what was a 5 to 10 foot deep river, if you will, 75 to 125 foot wide, is now flowing over its banks. Some of you can remember back to what is it, the mid-90s, the late 90s around here? The massive flooding that we had it. We went over there on 177 just north of the turnpike bridge and it was all underwater. I'm not trying to be uh, hyperbole here, but I, I would say anywhere from one to two foot of water covered. 77, right over there, just north. You come out of here on the blacktop, headed north up to the phallusary, and that road was impassable because the water was so deep. Deep Fork was out of its banks. And right here, if you go to the bridge just north of town, what is it? Probably 40 foot deep, probably 70, 80 foot wide. And that was so swelled with water that it was coming up out of its banks and it was flooding. And that gives us just a glimpse of the picture of what Joshua and the people were looking at. So can you imagine them looking at this scene and saying, we've got 600,000 people, men, women, and children, that we've got to cross this thing on foot. 
And God says we're going to cross it in three days, but I don't know how we're going to get there. And up to this point, the way I understand the text, God hadn't told Joshua how it was going to happen. Joshua hadn't told the people how it was going to happen. All that we know is God said, Joshua, it's going to happen. Joshua told the leaders, it's going to happen. The leaders look at the people and say, it's going to happen. And right here in verse 5, Joshua comes in and says, it's going to happen. We just don't know how. So in the meantime, get ready. In other words, I want you to see here in the text that their preparation came before God moved. Their preparation came before God moved. Here in verse 5, it says, Joshua said to the people, Consecrate yourselves today. You can put that in italics. Today, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders. He says, You need to be ready because when God moves, you need to be ready to move with God. There's the danger. And I want you to get this. Because I think this is huge for our daily lives and where we're at. We want the wow before the woe. We want the wow before the woe. Now what do you mean by that, Spence? What I mean is, is we want to see the glory of God break out. We want to see the revival of God take place. We want to see God just stir people up. We want to see God, God, we want to see people get excited about God. We want to see God just blow churches up. We want to see God just do miraculous things in people's lives and miracles that can only be attributed to God. We want to see the glory and the wow of God. But we're not willing to the woe before God. Woe for our sins. Woe for our apathy. Woe for our rebellion. Woe for our hardened hearts. Woe for the worldliness in ourselves and in our families and our homes. Woe over our sin before a holy, righteous God. We are not willing to do the woe because we want the wow before the woe. We would say, God, if you will do this, then we will submit. Then we will humble ourselves. Then we will turn to you. And God says, that's not the way it works. This isn't a perfect analogy, but I've worked with guys before that they said, well, you know, if they would give me a raise, I would show up earlier for work. Well, you know, if they gave me a raise, I would work harder at work. That's not the way this works. (laughs) You don't go to your boss and say, I'll be here on time if you give me a raise. The boss looks at you and says, if you don't get here on time, you won't have a raise or a job. And you try to tell these young people, you know what? You show up early, you work harder, and then the raise comes. We have these young people today that think that they get... They get the goods before the effort. They get the result before the sacrifice. They get the fruit without the labor. They start to think this. And sometimes, and you think, well, how did they get that? They got that from us. Why? Because they see us in our spiritual life going around and saying, God, if you will move, then I will submit myself. So Joshua comes in here in this text and he says, consecrate yourselves. The command to be ready. He is saying, are you listening? Are you listening to God's word saying that no one knows the day and the hour? Are you listening to God's word saying be ready at any moment? Are you listening to the parable of the virgins, the, the ten virgins and the wedding feast? Are you listening to the stories of Christ after Christ after Christ telling us to be ready because we never know when he's coming back and we should always be ready to give an account for why we believe what we believe and we should always be ready for our Lord. Are you listening to the Word of God saying, be ready? Are we wondering what God is doing? You go back and you look at the great awakenings that historically have taken place in the life of the church. 
three primary great awakenings happening historically. And they all started with prayer. They all started with a group of people coming together and praying. Not with expectations, not with strings attached, not with demands putting before God. They came before God because they had a burden to submit themselves in prayer and to be penitent in their heart. And they came before God and presented themselves in prayer. And God used their hearts, used their attitudes, as Phoebe was talking about in Sunday school, used their intercession to then spark a movement of God that was undeniable and was only attributable to God, but saw thousands of souls enter from death to life. And it was because these individuals decided they were going to be ready for when God was ready to move. And church, so many times... We're not listening to God tell us to get ready because we're listening to this world tell us to be ready for the world. We're listening to all the other things and we're not listening to God saying, time is getting closer. Time is drawing near. Then you get to this last command that Joshua gives there in verse 6. Joshua then said to the priest... So Joshua is speaking to the people and now Joshua is speaking to the priests. These are the the priests that were set apart. These were consecrated. These were from the tribe of Levi. These were a group of people that were set apart that the people knew as being uh, that, that, that model, that example, that witness, if you will, on God's behalf. These were the preachers. These were the, the deacons. These were the elders. These were the people that were set apart to serve God in a, in a special capacity. So Joshua looks at them and it says there in verse six, Joshua said to the priest, take up the Ark of the Covenant and pass on before the people. So they took up the Ark of the Covenant and went before the people. So if we're listening to what God is telling us today, God is calling us to follow Him. God is calling us to be ready for Him. And God is calling us, commanding us to be ready to bear witness for Him. You may say, well, Spence, what do you mean bear witness? Think about what's being said here. Remember up to this point, Joshua, God hadn't told Joshua what was going to happen. Up to this point, Joshua hadn't told the priest or the other leaders what was going to happen. They just all knew that somehow God was going to get them from this side of the river to the other side of the river. They didn't know how it was going to happen. They just knew it was going to happen. Leaders had already told the people, hey, you need to follow God. You haven't ever been here before. You don't know the way you're going. You don't know the good turns from the bad turns. You don't know the ups from the downs. If you follow God, then God's going to have you right where you want to be, and that's the safest place to be. So then when Joshua comes in here in verse 6, and he tells the priest, pick up the ark, carry it before the people, and go. Can you imagine the priest sitting there going, where are we going? I, I, I don't understand. Where does this go? You know, once upon a time, <laughs> once upon a time, you didn't have your GPS on your phone. I know this is hard to believe, but once upon a time, there were a thing called maps. Years and years ago, Tucker and Leslie and Jaylene and I decided we were going to take a trip down to Dallas and we are going to go do some fun stuff. And so, me being uh, my person, we, we know we're going to get down there and we're wanting to travel through the DFW Fort Worth area. I probably had a stack that thick of maps and driving directions from this place to this place. Remember MapQuest? I mean, that kind of dates some of you thinking about MapQuest, but I had all this stack. Well, well Tucker had this thing called the Tom Tom. Remember the Tom Toms? 
So we get down there and Tucker has this tom-tom and we turn on this tom-tom and we type in there that we want to go to this restaurant and this tom-tom on this screen tells us which way to turn, how to go, has the highlight, all this stuff that we had today, all this stuff you're going, yeah, yeah, that's, that's, that's ancient technology. It was the coolest thing in the world. It changed everything. Because now it's not a matter of questioning. And now if you take a wrong turn, there's not an argument that happens between you and the person in the seat next to you that's trying to read the road lines. They're not mad at you. You're not mad at them. You're not going to argue over who's going to stop and walk in and ask for direction. None of that happens because then it redirects you. It tells you which way to turn around. It's so much quieter in the vehicle. Why? Because you know which way you're going. But here in this text... Joshua didn't know. The priests didn't know. The leaders didn't know. The people didn't know. They just knew, follow after God. When God leads, you follow after God. So when Joshua comes in and he looks at these priests and says, pick up the Ark of the Covenant, pass before the people, what does it do? They said they picked up the Ark of the Covenant and they went before the people. Now next week we're going to come in and we're going to see what happens, but can you just imagine the priests are going, you, you, mean, you want me to pick this Ark up and just take off walking towards the river? Yes. Well, that doesn't make any sense. So? What are the people going to think? Who cares? How long am I going to walk till God says stop? Why am I doing this? Because God said we're going to do it. You mean I am supposed to just follow God? Because God said it. Yes. And we have so many people today that are stumbling at that very same point. God is telling you to follow after Him. God is telling you to serve Him. God is telling you to be devoted and committed to Him. And yet we are not willing to because we don't have all the answers. We don't know the next steps. We don't know what is going to happen next. And I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, He is commanding us to bear a witness. Think about this. Joshua was looking to God. The priests were then looking to Joshua. The people were looking to the priest. And so everybody is sitting there saying, what's going to happen? And Joshua looks and says, God said, pick it up and move. We're going to pick it up and move. The priest said, if Joshua said to pick it up and move, we're going to pick it up and move. The people are saying, well, when the priest pick it up and they move, we're supposed to then follow after them. So you can imagine everybody going, we are all completely dependent upon God. We're living in a day and age that we're not dependent upon God. We can come in. We can turn the lights on. You can sit in cushioned chairs. You can have a climate-controlled building. Running water, indoor, plumbing. We can do all of this without God. You can leave and you can go and you can get lunch, whether it's your home in a different place. You can drive, you can go home and you can sit in your house, you can lie down in your bed tonight, you can sit there and you can watch television and you can do it all without being dependent upon God. We have developed our lives so much that we are not dependent upon God for our daily breath, we are not dependent upon God for our daily sustenance. We think, we think that we can do all this stuff without God and we don't have that dependency upon God for one single thought because we've bypassed the woe for the wow of this world so Joshua's telling the people I want you to bear 
witness. Now, if you think about the verb there of the word bear, it just means to hold up. It means to shoulder. It means to carry this burden. And so what Joshua is calling the priest to do, he says, I want you to be a witness of what faithfulness and trust and belief in God looks like. No, you may not have all the answers. No, you may not know exactly where you're going to go. No, you may not know how God's going to work. But if God says, pick it up and go, you pick it up and go. Because you are a witness to say, I trust and I believe in God. May I remind you this morning, church, that the world is looking to the church. Well, the church is becoming more and more marginalized each and every single day. That's what they tell us. But I'm going to tell you this morning that the world is looking to the church. They're looking to say, are we going to compromise? Are we going to capitulate? Are we going to take out passages in the Word of God and try to contextualize it and try to marginalize it and try to remove it and try to say, well, that's not applicable today? Are we going to look in our daily lives and say, yes, God is still priority in our lives. And yes, there's still a structure and a dynamic that God has placed in the home in a scriptural basis. And yes, we are going to follow and we are going to obey after that. Yes, there is a way that we should conduct ourselves. Yes, there is a way that we should behave in the world around us. Yes, there should be a difference in people, that, the difference that people should see in us. Yes, there should be something different about us as being consecrated people. They see a difference in us. The world is looking to say, is it real or not? And Joshua is calling the people to bear witness. He's calling the priest to bear witness in front of the people because he knows that the people are going to follow the priest because the priests are following Joshua because Joshua is following after God. Now, it's not implicit here in the text, but I think there's some principles that we need to think about for our own daily lives. Men, you've been commanded by God's word to lead your family. To lead your family spiritually. And that doesn't mean you have to make every decision. That doesn't mean that you're the dictator. Doesn't mean you're a despot in the home. But you have been commanded to lead your family spiritually. They are looking to our witness. And in the same way when it comes to the life of the church. Husband and wife, you have friends and family in your sphere of influence that is looking to you to say, they go to church, they claim to be Christian, does it show? And they're looking for us to bear an example, to bear a witness of what it looks like to be faithful to God. And I wonder if everybody is looking at everybody else, what do they see in us? Joshua realizes that witness matters. So he tells the priest, listen, I want you to bear witness of your faith and trust in God. And I want you to show the people what it looks like to follow after God. So if we're going to listen to the way we should go, if we're going to listen to what we should do, if we're going to be listening to the things that God is speaking to our hearts, we're going to see from the word of God that what it means for us to listen well to God is to listen for when God says to follow, to listen for when God says to be ready, to listen to when God says to bear witness, to listen for when God gives us a direction to go, that we are faithful and ready and devoted and committed to go wherever God calls us to go. So what does this look like for our daily lives? I put down there three just three takeaways that I want to quickly leave you with and we'll be through. Just three, uh, three quick takeaways, walking points, if you will. The first one is this. We become what we follow. We become what we follow. 
can follow a certain group on social media and the next thing you know, all you'll do is start repeating them. <laughs> it, it's amazing. You can listen to people talk in, a, in just in a conversational setting and you can know who it is that they're listening to. I'm not saying it's all bad. I'm not saying it's all untrue. But I'm saying that you sit around long enough and you can hear what people are listening to. And sometimes you can even sit around long enough. And if you're doing this enough, you, you can sit around and listen to people. And you know what preachers are listening to. Somebody listens to Bot Radio a lot. And they're listening to this preacher and this preacher on a regular basis. Whether it's Alistair Begg or, 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 or Stephen Rummage or Adrian Rogers or, or any of those personalities. They have preaching and you can listen to them. And then you know that person, who that person is listening to. Why? Because we become what we follow. So if you follow this prosperity idea that the more money is better than that is what you're going to become. If you fall into this idea that it's about your academics and it's about your, your possessions and it's about your, your, your show before the people, if you follow that, that's what you're going to become. Because we become what we follow. And not just that, but we prepare for what we expect. We prepare for what we expect. Gary England came out of retirement. Because you know the rest of them, they're just, they don't, they're not the same. <laughs> but if Gary England was to come out of retirement and come in and say, okay, Tuesday, F4. Going to come right in between the LC building and this sanctuary. And we knew without a shadow of a doubt that was going to happen. Can you imagine the preparation that we would take? Mark and Donna wouldn't plant her flowers yesterday if they knew that was going to happen. Van and Denise probably wouldn't have put asphalt melons out there in the driveway for you to park on if they knew that Tuesday the tornado was coming and everything was going to be gone. But we would prepare because we were expecting for that to happen. God has told us that Jesus is coming back again one day. And God has told us that we will stand before God one day and give an account for our lives saved and lost. God has told us that we are being, we as bearers of the truth have a greater responsibility to tell other people the truth about Jesus Christ. We as being the saved have a responsibility to evangelize the lost and to tell them of the only hope they have for the, this, this life and for the life in the, that is coming for eternity is Jesus Christ. It's our responsibility to go and tell people about how they can be saved, why the enemy is saved. All that stuff is true. We know that God says that and yet we don't prepare for it. Because we prepare for what we expect. And while we may say with our mouths that we know that Christ is coming back, we're not prepared for his coming. And this last one. People are looking for an example to follow. People are looking for an example to follow. I think it was a couple years ago, men's retreat, and I'm going to mess up his name, but I think it was Ted Dubois. The million dollar man. He was on WWF when the WWF was not the World Wildlife Federation. Back when it was Hulk Hogan and Ric Flair and all the fake wrestlers that would come on at 1130 at night and middle-aged men going around in clothes they shouldn't be wearing in public and they were going around and acting a fool and Du Bois was called the million dollar man so he had this persona, he had this certain bravado about him and so they announced that he was coming to men's retreat and I'm thinking... It doesn't register with me. <laughs> and I remember we had a, a man that there was in the church that I was serving at in early 50s. He was excited. 
said, what in the world are you so excited about? He said, I'm going to get to listen to the Million Dollar Man talk. And I'm like, really? You even know who that is? He said, oh, man. He said, I used to follow that person. I used to keep up with that person. He said, man, his lifestyle and his womanizing and all these things I thought was just so, so cool. And he said, and now to hear that he's a Christian and now to hear his testimony and now to hear what God has done with him, that's even cooler. And he was just so excited about the idea of listening to somebody that he had looked up to in his earlier years to be able to listen to what he has to say about what God is doing today. You know, it doesn't matter whether you're five or it doesn't matter whether you're 50, you're always looking for someone to follow. And I submit to you that there are young people in this church today that are looking for adults to follow. There are lost people looking for Christians and saying, what does it mean to be a Christian? What hope and help do I have when it comes to Christ? They're looking for an example to follow. There are young people looking to married people for an example to follow. There are people in the church looking to say, what does it look like to be faithful to God? They're looking for an example to follow. Brothers and sisters, why not be that example? Well, it's not my job, Spence. It's your job. No, it isn't. It's our job to be an example to one another. It's our opportunity to be an example to one another. It's our privilege to be an example to one another. But you won't see it as a privilege if you're not listening to God. Bow your heads with me.